at talking acc sports that's at talking t a l k i n acc sports your moderator for the show is matthew and you can follow matthew on twitter at asd underscore hokey smash i'm going to turn it over to matthew now to get the podcast started Jeff, Jeff, we've gone through bios here before several times, so we're not going to do that this time. I was just going to tell you briefly what I've been watching today because this is my favorite time of the year. You and I have talked about this before. Basketball and football crossover, college basketball and college football crossover. And I watched Indiana and uh, UConn play hoops this early in the afternoon when I was writing about college football on the allsportsdiscussion.blog. I'm not sure if you've seen my piece yet about the self-looking ice cream cone from Michigan, Jeff. Have you seen that? I saw it, and I have I have not read it. I saw the title, and I'm like, I got to read this after the podcast. <laughs> it's, it's good. Uh, and I ranted a little bit about Michigan, and I won't give it away here. I'll probably talk about it later. In the open phone, open microphone, and then just on TV right now is the Charleston Classic. So I'm I was watching Houston and Dayton, and before that I was watching Utah and uh, St. John's. Rick Pitino's St. John's team, and he's he's gonna be he's gonna have St. John's in the NCAA tournament. Jeff, I, I'm I'm very sure of I'm very sure of that. He's got a Virginia Tech transfer there, and in Hakeem Anim Alim, and. Uh, He's just going to be he, – he, they're going to be pretty good, and a lot of people are going to be thinking at Louisville, should we hire him back? I mean, I guarantee you you will see that somewhere on Twitter because after time, Jeff, time heals all wounds. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, uh, boy, <laughs> you know, you talk about Louisville basketball, and and, and, and we'll, we'll get into a little basketball more later, but – did they have a heartbreaker today against Texas? This is a Texas team went to the Elite Eight last year, ranked in the top 20, and Louisville probably – they. no, I'm not going to say probably. They played their best game by an enormous margin under Kenny Payne by far. It's the best game they played under under him i mean many people think this is the worst they're the worst team in the acc and this is going into the season and they went toe to toe with texas for 40 minutes and it took a prayer of a shot by texas in the final second to knock off louisville if that's the worst team in the acc playing that well came within a, a split second of beating texas top 20 team one of the big 12's best teams ACC's best conference in the country. If if Louisville is the worst team in the conference, that's ACC is as deep as we've ever well, it seen. Also, it. it also means that the NC tournament's going to be bananas this year, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's definitely that's definitely the case. I mean there are just like massive upsets all across the country. We we just saw this past week UNC Greensboro goes into Bull Walton Arena and beats Arkansas. Nobody, almost nobody, goes into Arkansas over the last few years and beats them, and and that that was a they dominated that game <laughs> in Bud Walton Arena, and that's just one of a ton of upsets we are seeing early in the season. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know if you maybe call this season like the revenge of the mid-majors because they're not waiting until March to start knocking off uh, Power 5 teams. They're doing it, you know, in these early non-conference games too. Guess who plays North Carolina pretty soon? Jeff. All right. Northern Northern Iowa. Oh, yeah, we know their reputation. They're what they – They'll go out and they'll knock off anybody and play anybody any day of the week. My friend Ben Jacobson, he's a hell of a coach. And I don't necessarily expect him to beat or to, you know, to be, to defeat North Carolina, but they're going to put their North Carolina is going to play you and I's tempo. You can, I can guarantee you that Jeff, they're going to play Ben's team will dominate the tempo on the court, on the court when they play. So Matt, let's get right to it, Jeff. Let's get right to it. ACC football, week 12. Who was the most disappointing team in week 12 in the ACC? And on the flip side, Jeff, who was the most impressive team, football team in week 12? Um, yeah, I mean, I there, there are a couple choices here. Um. I gotta go with I gotta go with Boston College here as as the most disappointing uh, ACC team on, of the weekend. Uh, I mean, here they are; they're bowl eligible. They're going into a Pittsburgh team that you know, but got trucked the week before uh, by a Syracuse team that you know didn't even throw ten passes. Maybe I think completed four, maybe five, if I remember. And you know, they Pittsburgh looked like they had quit on the season at that at that point. Uh, against Syracuse the week before and um, you know, Boston college, they, they played, they played poorly in that game. Um, I thought they were past those kind of performances, listless Pittsburgh, you know, you weren't sure which was the team going to the bowl and which one, you know, uh, was, was looking, was only having a couple wins going into the, to the game. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm really disappointed in what, what what I saw out of Boston College. Uh, they've been all over the place. Where winners are five games in a row, and then they get destroyed the week before by Virginia Tech, and they follow it up with another listless performance. Uh, now they got Miami next week, and I'm not. I, I don't feel good about them knocking off Miami next week either. I mean, they're really struggling to the finish line uh, here in the season after after they caught. After they got bowl eligible, they seem to just kind of call it a day. Um, other other than Boston College, pretty disappointed in in North Carolina. Uh, they go they go to Clemson, thirty one twenty in that game. Uh, a lot of the mistakes early by North Carolina kind of kind of seal their fate. Uh, they probably should have been up twenty one zero on Clemson on the road but had two turnovers inside the five yard line against Clemson. And then you saw Drake may start to get rattled in the second half by Clemson's pass rush. And, uh, you know, a team that was in the top, uh, 12 just a month ago is now lost three times. Uh, they're going to be playing a red hot NC state game, uh, red hot NC state team next week. And you just, you got to wonder, you know, did Mac Brown, did he, did he let another, season get away from them i mean i know they're eight and three but i mean you know that offense has a roster full of nfl talent drake may um the defense 
just struggled so much in the the late part of games in the fourth quarter, and they did against Clemson. Uh, again, just not being able to come up with stops to get the ball back. Uh, so they ranked 20th going into the game out of the rankings. So Boston College, number one most disappointing team, uh, North Carolina, you know, 1A on that one. As far as the teams that have impressed me the most over the weekend, and I'm gonna I'm gonna use a, a quote that that I'm gonna I'm gonna steal from you, Matthew, that you 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 said on Twitter you call it you called it meeting the moment, and two teams this weekend I think just met the moment with so much on the line. First one, uh, Louisville goes down to Miami, you know, win the game, they clinch a burst in the ACC championship game stay in the top 10 keep fringe playoff hopes alive and you know they did not get a miami team that had given up on the season miami played really well they played inspired football tyler van dyke who has definitely struggled at times this year played his best game in a couple of months um, had louisville on their heels time and time again every time you thought you know miami was going to take control of the game you know they get the game tied or or you know, they get they were ahead, I think, 28-23 going to the fourth quarter. I mean, Louisville just responded each time on the road. And, and then they proved, you know, they are a deserving uh, team to play Florida State in that ACC title game. I mean, they've become, you know, earlier in the season, they were inconsistent, you know, in the games, playing great for a couple – for a quarter. And then, you know, you don't want – not sure what's going on here in the in another quarter and they just didn't have that consistency they were winning but they didn't have that consistency and then now they're just finding they finding ways to win um even against good opponents on the road uh i was really impressed really impressed by by what louisville was able to do against a, a miami team that really tried to you know really played hard really played inspired um Louisville headed to the ACC championship and then also impressed by Georgia tech. You know, the next week they got, they got Georgia. You're trying to get bowl eligible. You don't want to be facing Georgia trying to get bowl eligible five years since they'd been to a bowl game. The, the Jeff Collins debacle of an era. Uh, this had been a long suffering program. <laughs> You know, it, it's been since 2018 that they'd had a postseason appearance and they got Syracuse at home earlier in the year when teams went on scoring runs against Georgia Tech. They they just kind of kind of fell apart. Bowling Green did it. Louisville did it. Um, Boston College did it. And, and Georgia Tech just didn't didn't respond very well uh, in those games. This time, Syracuse scores 19 points unanswered in the second half it's 24 22 georgia tech gets the ball with seven minutes left in the game and i mean this is their this is their season on the line offense had struggled you know all during the second half and they put together a 75 yard five minute touchdown drive to get them bold eligible and you know it, it just kind of it, it set off a frenzy there in atlanta you know to get that six wins that's how meaningful it was for them so um, I, I give a hats off to Louisville and Georgia Tech, you know, with everything on the line for their seasons, you know, as you said it, Matthew, they met the moment. Very good. Very good, Jeff. So I'll, I'll just say this briefly. And I, 
I may have been a little effusive in my praise of NC State because I, I think I mentioned to you on Twitter that I thought, wow, they're the ACC team of the week. You know, and that was by the you know that was the end of the third or but third third quarter. But I didn't think that they would give up that. I didn't think it would be a seven point difference in that game against Virginia Tech. I mean, Virginia Tech appeared to pull out the playbook, you know, mid to the th- mid third quarter to the end of the game, and not the first for first quarter of the game. And I was kind of disappointed with that, Jeff. To be frank, uh, but you know, I'm looking at. I look at, you know, NC State as a great defense, as a top two defense, and their defense was outstanding. And for some reason, I saw them go prevent in the last quarter, and you never go prevent. You just never do it now. You know what I mean? You never do it now, you know? And so they were good. Their defense was great for three, you know, great for three quarters. And then they ended up giving a, get, giving up a swab of points. Had there not been a turn, you know, a turnover on one of uh, Virginia Tech's fourth quarter drive, fourth quarter drives, there may have been a tie game and this thing going to overtime, which is odd for me to, odd for me to say, but you know, I, I sit here looking at Virginia Tech with one game to go. You have a chance to be bowl, bowl eligible they're playing against the uh, the Who's in the Commonwealth Cup next week. We're going to talk about we'll talk about that shortly. But you know they have a chance to be bowl eligible in um, in uh, the second season for Brent Pry. So there's you know there's certainly some positive stuff there. And like I said, we'll talk we'll talk about that here later on the COD podcast. I thought it was kind of a nice a nice win for Virginia, who kind of has been in a lot of games in the fourth quarter this year, and they finally got over the hump against. Got over the hump against Duke. I mean, you said this last week, Jeff, that this isn't the same sort of you know three and nine team or three you know excuse me three and seven uh, three 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 and eight team I should say that that you know that you know that Pittsburgh has been for it right. I mean, there are times when Pittsburgh looked obviously listless at best, and and of course they win last week too, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> but but Virginia has been you know remarkably competitive in a lot of games this year, and that showed, of course, with its win over North win over North Carolina. So I certainly wanted to talk about both of the Commonwealth teams there in week week twelve, and we're going to get to the Commonwealth teams here later, uh, uh, maybe even this next topic here. Which ACC football game are you looking to uh, forward the most in week thirteen, Jeff? And you give us a couple if you want. Yeah, I mean this is this is a, a take your pick of of games that are intriguing next week. So I, I think I'm going to hit a couple. I know you're going to hit uh, a couple, but th- this is one of those um, you know park yourself in front of the television set all day Saturday uh, watching games. Um, really intrigued by by Kentucky going to Louisville. Louisville's been you know outstanding at home this year. Uh, Jeff Brom in his first season. I mean, if he could get to Louisville, you know, eleven and one in the regular season, ACC championship game appearance, and you beat Kentucky. I mean, they might just be ready to build a statue of Jeff Brom uh, already. But um, that one, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see if 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 Louisville, you know, can can knock off Kentucky. I think I think that they will, and I think that's going to give. You know, Florida State, a top ten opponent uh, in that ACC championship game, 
And speaking of Florida State, man, you know, that was so, that was so, you know, almost tragic what happened to Jordan Travis in that game against Northern um, Alabama. You know, the heart and soul of that Seminole team. He's been such a fantastic player for them. Um, you know, he's done everything the, the right way, paid his dues, and was having a special season. And, and, and you know, very, very just disappointing, almost tragic that it's going to end this way for him without him being able to lead the Seminoles. So how, how are they going to respond going to Florida? Uh, Florida, I think they, they are five and seven or five and six. Let me let me check this real quick. Yeah, five and six. And, you know, they're playing for bowl eligibility. They got their own issues going on. But, you know, we've seen Florida play well at times this year. I mean, you know, they came down to a missed field goal from knocking off Missouri this past weekend. So, you know, how is Florida State going to respond, you know, without their leader on the on the field? So that that's going to be a, a game that really intrigues intrigues me because, you know, still going into Florida and 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 winning, you know, counts it counts for something and it and it should i mean when georgia knocked off florida earlier in the year everybody was already uh, anointing georgia as as unbeatable because they had knocked off florida so there's still value in winning uh in gainesville so i, I want to see how tate um you know rodemacher fills that role those big shoes left by jordan travis and and can they get florida state to that acc championship you know undefeated and setting up a monumental game with with playoff implications and ACC title implications the following week uh, with Louisville. And and of course, I got to hit one more, Matthew, Uh, Clemson and and South Carolina. Um, Clemson's, you know, they've been on a roll the last month. You know, they knocked off ranked Notre Dame. They destroyed a, a, a Georgia Tech team that's played pretty well over the last month as themselves. And then they beat North Carolina. Um, you go into Columbia and lose South Carolina though. And, and all Clemson fans are going to be back all over uh, Dabo Sweeney. It, it, it'll flip that fast form. If they don't beat South Carolina, a South Carolina team that's trying to get bowl eligible for themselves. But if they go to Columbia, win that game, you know, they're eight and four on a four game winning streak. And everyone's thinking, hey, this is a team to watch for for next next week. So um, a lot on the line there. I mean, I could hit a couple other ones, but I think you're going to get into them. It's just, you know, a, just a bunch of games to be watching all day long. Yep. Jeff, I really want to get into North Carolina and NC State. Yeah, I think that's going to be such an outstanding matchup. It, it, it is because um, – I think the teams are actually both going in opposite directions. And there's some, you know, it's kind of intriguing for me, Jeff, because, how, well, I should ask you, how much of the NC State Virginia Tech game did you see? Did you see any of it? No, I was I was not able to, to watch that game. I just kept up with it, you know, with the score update. But um, I've seen some of the, the recent weeks of NC State. And, uh, I mean, I got you, you got to say Dave Doran, has been one of the coaches of the of the midseason and on forward in the ACC. If you were given like, you know, second half ACC coach of the year awards, Dave Dorn would be in that mix. He would. But I'm saying this because 
Virginia Tech was able to exploit NC State's secondary in a way that I hadn't seen a lot of teams do this year, Jeff. And quite frankly, why Virginia Tech didn't try it in the first half is beyond me. And the only the and we'll get into <laughs> we'll get into that later in the podcast. But I think that UNC is going to be able to pass on NC State because they're going to be watching that Virginia Tech tape. I mean, Virginia, they'll probably make some, obviously NC State will make some adjustments, but, you know, we the Hokies were able to exploit that secondary in, in ways that I hadn't expected before. But, you know, it remains to be seen whether a search party can be out there to find NC State's defense, which doesn't seem to be working under Gene Chizik. And, it, you know, that is my one big my one big complaint about Mac Brown, Jeff, is that several years in, we still need to call the FBI to see if there's a, 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 see if they can find a defense for NC State. You know what I mean? I mean, we still have to speak to the U.S. Attorney's Office. I'm being a little facetious here to say that there's no defense from the U.S. U.S. Attorney's Office for <laughs> The defense, the defense, the defense of North Carolina. But seriously, I mean, when you're there that long, and you get these players from the seven five seven, you're recruiting directly recruiting against Virginia Tech for these players, and you everybody decides that they need to want to play. You know, they want to play in Kentucky, and instead, there's a problem, right, in the state of Kentucky. I mean, good for Louisville for for picking him up, right, but. There's a serious problem in North Carolina if that if if offense offense is your only is your only ceiling. So, but I'll be interested. Like I said, those teams those teams have been going in opposite directions, and and it to me it looked like NC State actually opened the playbook for the first time all year. Like a lot of people, my my NC State friends were saying, this is the offense we thought we were going to see all year, but I'll be fair here, and we're going to talk. We'll talk more about the. Virginia, Virginia Tech here later in the podcast. This was, this is, uh, this is kind of a Commonwealth edition here. A question later in the podcast. So, but anyway, that's the first, that's the first game I'm looking forward to. Game number two, of course, is the Commonwealth Cup, Virginia Tech and Virginia. I mean, that's going to be, that's a three thirty matchup. I mean, you know, you've said this before, Jeff. I mean, the uh, the TV times for ACC teams are just lightning, just let just lightning difference from last year. They're so much better. I mean, you're getting these 330 games on, uh, you know, on, you know, at a minimum they're at, you know, on, on the ACC network at, at, at noon, but you know, you're getting a lot of these 330 and eight o'clock games. You're, you know, some good afternoon times, right. For fans and that, and that sort of thing. And that game's at 330 on the ACC network. I was hoping it was going to be the eight o'clock because if you recall a couple of years, I think there was a couple of years ago, Virginia Tech needed to be bowl eligible. They had the game on ESPN. It was an eight o'clock one and Virginia, you know, Virginia Tech won the game to be bowl, won, won a game to be bowl eligible. And it was one of the craziest games I'd seen in a long time on ESPN. I think it was in 2019, 2019. And, you know, I expect the same sort of crazy atmosphere in Charlottesville simply because their quarterback Boy, he was a little <laughs> shout out to the Who's quarterback for being, you know, Anthony, was it Anthony Calandria? Did I say that right? Is that the name of their quarterback, Jeff? Well, yeah, that sounds good. Calandria. Boy, he was really he was he was he was out there pre he was out there saying when we beat Virginia Tech, everybody's going to be talking about us. And I'm like, oh, dog, 
guess what happened with your tweet? Guess what happened with that article and that tweet? That's up in the locker room right now in Blacksburg, and it will be every day of this week. You know, so I mean, but shout out to him for being having the ball, you know, the, the Stones to come out there and say that, but he he certainly did it. So he brought some spice to the Commonwealth Cup this year. I think that will be if that'll be fun. That'll be fun for us to watch. That'll be fun for us to watch. So, uh, you know, that's certainly what I'm looking at for uh, for uh, the ACC this week, Jeff. Uh, let's tra- let's transition here. Let's go outside the ACC and go to national college football here. And you can, you know, you can go through. There's all kinds of good nat- matchups, obviously, in the top 25 and in other conferences. But what what are you looking forward to nationally? Uh, this upcoming week in uh, in college football, Jeff. The floor is yours. Yeah, I, I don't think you can you can't you can't get away from from Michigan and Ohio State. Um, that one's being played in our Arbor. Um, you know, right now the playoff rankings have you know both of them in the top three. Uh, loser. Uh, it's not, you know, it ain't going to be like last year. The loser of the game is not making the playoffs. Uh, I'm debate whether it should have happened last year, but it definitely is not happening this year. Uh, the loser of that game is is out. <laughs> you know, that's that that's just fact on that one. Um, so you know, huge huge playoff implications in that one. Uh, you know, you've you've talked about Michigan a little bit. We know uh, they're they're one game schedule of a season that they've played uh they started running into teams with with at least i would say uh, a little bit of a pulse and all of a sudden they're not winning by 50 every game they they got by a, a penn state you know by nine the week before and uh you know penn state's pretty good on defense but that's an offensively challenged team and maryland you know almost almost got michigan this past weekend and that that's a four loss uh, I think they were six and four going into that game. Then uh, they got the Jim Harbaugh stuff going on, but I mean that's one that you, you can't get away from that one, and that's so much on the line between Ohio State and Michigan. So that that's a game we're definitely, uh, you know, looking at. Uh, you've got Oregon uh, and Oregon State. That's still a war. Playing. Is it? Yeah, that's still a war. I mean, hopefully. They they kind of come to their senses and do what Washington and Washington State announced today, where they're continuing the Apple Cup series at least for another four. I can't remember if it was four or five, five. years. Five. And uh, I, okay, five, great. And hopefully Oregon State and Oregon do that. Um, I, I'm intrigued by that one because you know it could be the last time we see it for a while. It's a great rivalry. Um, Though I don't, I don't expect Oregon State to be able to go into Outson Stadium and knock off Oregon, who you know might be the Oregon might be the second best team in the country. I'm going to give Georgia their their due because they're just they're just like steamrolling people right now. But I mean, you know, we'll find out about Oregon um, when they get to the Pac-12 championship and see if they can knock off uh, Washington. But I mean, they very well could be the second best team in, in college football. And, um, you know, that's a great rivalry. That's on Friday night. Uh, we'll be keeping an eye on that one. I'll tell you, Jeff, that I am looking forward to the Apple Cup. I watch that game every year. Ever since I lived in Seattle, I watch that game every year. 
And I, I you know, it's that's going to be another situation where you've got a team who wants a piece of Washington, right? Who feels like they were left behind, and they're going to want to come in there and pull a stunner. They're they're not doing it in Seattle. I can tell you that much. They they are not doing that in Seattle. But it is a game that I it's a game that I certainly have on my radar. That that one, and I will be watching that one. That game's at four o'clock on Fox. And then it's interesting. Fox is pulling all the all the Pac-12 stops out on uh, on the basically the last season of the Pac-12. But it will you now that game should put Washington at twelve and zero. And I, you know, I like I, I blogged about I blogged <laughs> I blogged about the college football rankings today, and we'll talk about that later. But I, I this week, Jeff, I have Washington sitting at number three in my own rankings. That's where I have them sitting right now today. And I was very similar to Dan 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 Mullen. Dan Dan Mullen from ESPN actually had them at, at number two, Jeff. And that's fair, right? Yeah, I mean, if we're going by resume, that's completely that, that's that's completely fair to have Washington at at two or three. I mean, if you're really just if you're really going by resume, I mean, you can argue Washington's, you know, played a more difficult schedule than. Uh, than uh, Georgia has. (laughs) Everybody, yes. Washington has the best resume in college football. And if they're 12-0, and they could have an argument for the – they will have an argument for the number one seat going into the championship game week. So, now I'll be very – I'll be very quick here on on, on something else I'm watching, Jeff. The FCS playoff brackets were announced. And – there's going to be some good ga- There's going to be some pretty good games next week. Uh, give me, give me just a second, Jeff. Give me just a second here because they haven't updated. Uh, they haven't updated the. Uh, haven't updated. Haven't updated Yahoo yet, and I want to make sure I tell you what what what's all going on here. I mean, it was it's pretty solid here. I mean, you're you get the first round. I mean, it'll be it'll be kind of inter- it'll be kind of interesting because they have. Uh, uh, Sacramento State is coming to North Dakota this year. Drake is coming to North Dakota State. So at Mercer's at South Dakota State, then you've got uh, North Dakota at you know North Dakota uh, North Dakota. If they North Dakota wins, they're going to go to South Dakota. So you've got all these. I mean, it's pretty crazy. You've got all these Montana, Montana State, North. <laughs> you got three teams from the Dakotas. Or four teams from the Dakotas and two teams from Montana in this twenty-four to this twenty-four team field. Like one quarter of the teams are from three states, and you know why that is, Jeff? Because they have bigger linemen than a lot of the ACC teams. <laughs> I hear you. I mean, I've often thought that if Clemson, if Virginia Tech, if. Uh, North Carolina State, if people needed these linemen, they should just troll through Fargo. Just go visit Fargo. Go talk to North Dakota State. Or go find out if somebody wants to come in the portal and come over. Because that that's I, I guarantee you everybody in the ACC is going to be watching. And I'm, I'm not joking when I say this. A lot of ACC coaches are going to be watching the FCS playoffs this weekend wondering where which which players can come through the portal from the offensive line to their team. I don't think that there's any question about that because they have some real big players in the Dakotas and in Montana. And 
they're going to be, you know, they're going to be looking for, they're going to be looking for that. I think they're going to be looking for that. Uh, so it should be fun. And I, I look forward to it every year. And I'll just say a bonus here. North Dakota is playing some really, really, really good hockey right now, Jeff. And they have an opportunity, I think, to be in the frozen four. So I will watch a hockey series this upcoming weekend as well. Jeff, let's get to the Commonwealth of Virginia. I mean, we were going to have a segment here with Hank tonight, and I, I, Hank Kurtz tonight. Hopefully, we can have that again sometime. He's probably been he's been really busy on his. He was probably covering two different teams this weekend, so we probably didn't hear from him. Uh, the Commonwealth of Virginia teams. This was a question for Hank. Both Virginia and Virginia Tech, and we could probably throw Georgia, you know, Georgia Tech in here, right? I mean, I, I, I you can't necessarily say that this was. I mean, Pryor was an interim last year, so this isn't really his second full year. But I think you can throw him in this category. We'll throw we'll throw him in here. Uh, what do you think about? Give me your thoughts, Jeff, as we go to year year uh, as we year two comes to a close on Virginia and Virginia Tech's head coach head 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 fo- football coaches, and you could also throw Brent Pry in there too. Um. Yeah, looking at some of these second-year coaches, I mean, I think you know they've they've all done enough to give hope for their fan bases. Um, you know, we already talked about Georgia Tech a little bit. Brent Key getting Georgia Tech to to a bowl game. I mean, it, it just very significant for that program um, from from that Jeff Collins era. I mean, and it was kind of building last year. You know they came with we came within one game of reaching a bowl last year after he took over, and so right now, uh, you know the Georgia Tech fan base, you know they're just they're just loving Brent Key right now to be perfectly honest. And you know I watched some of the interviews with him on ACC Huddle uh, from ACC Network last night post game, and I mean he was in tears, you know, after the game, you know getting guiding Georgia Tech to be bowl eligible. Uh, he's a Georgia Tech alum, and, and so you could just see how much it meant to him uh, to get Georgia Tech to a bowl game for the first time since 2018. So, um, you know, if, if they were, you know, somehow able to, to shock the world and, and beat Georgia, which I don't think anyone expects in any way, um, or even more realistically win their bowl game, I mean, that would just be icing on the cake to their season. Um, when it comes to Virginia Tech and Virginia. Um, now I'll start with Tony Elliott at at Virginia. Um, you know, initially, it, it looked like Tony Elliott was was maybe being a little bit too stubborn when he took over the program. Um, you know, from Bron- Rocco Mendenhall, he had this you know great passing offense with Brennan Armstrong, and and he was going to make it a point. He wanted to be more balanced and. You know, I didn't think Tony Elliott last year really put together um, a style that suited what was on that team. I mean, you you got to institute what you're going to run, but when you do so at at the, you know, and and kind of forsaking wins almost to do that, um, it makes you wonder about a coach. This year, you started to see, you know that vision, that vision take hold. And he's, they dealt so with so much off the field adversity stuff too, 
you know, with the end of last year. And that's another reason I'm thrilled for the Commonwealth Cup to be be playing again on uh, that, that great rivalry. Um, so I think Tony Elliott came into the season with a with a lot of question marks on, on how he was going to institute you know, his, his style of play, but you, you started to really see that, I think with Virginia this year, and then they had a lot of hard luck, lost a lot of close games. Um, but I mean, they also had some really highlight moments going into Chapel Hill and, and at the time being a winless team in the ACC and you go down to North Carolina and, and, and basically derail North Carolina's season. They were in the top 12 at that time. Uh, and then you come back, you know, you get a win over a pretty good Duke team. I know Riley Leonard wasn't playing, but still, you know, Duke is still a quality team with a good defense. And and you're starting to see those things, uh, that game, that game plan, that style that Tony Elliott wants to build, you know, on physical play and, and, and a strong running game uh, and good defense. You're starting to see that towards the end of the, the end of this season. And, you know, if you knock off Virginia Tech and keep – keep them from reaching a bowl. I mean, you know, even with a f- kind of four and eight season, there's going to be a lot of optimism in Charlottesville, you know, if he's able to do that. But I, I think he's shown enough that he should get another year, even if they did lose to Virginia Tech, uh, if that happens this upcoming weekend. Uh, with with Brent Pry, uh, you know, and, and drones there at quarterback, you're, you're seeing flashes of of the old Virginia Tech. I mean, it's definitely not a, a, a finished product at all. And I think that would be a really nice step for Virginia Tech, just like with Georgia Tech, just to reach a bowl game. I mean, you get to a bowl game and, and that actually, that, that says that's a tangible uh, evidence that, hey, the program is starting to turn around. We're, we've reached the postseason. You know, that's that's not the goal of everyone to, to just make reaching a bowl uh, a goal in the long run. You know, five years from now, just making it to a bowl game is not going to be enough. But for right now, that's a big deal. That's a big deal in Atlanta, and I think that would be a really big deal for, for Brent Pry. And I think back to the Syracuse game, um, you know, there on Thursday night in Blacksburg, Lane Stadium, Virginia Tech played so well, physical on defense, making plays, you know, explosive plays on offense. I mean, and that just reminded you of the of the Brink, Frank Bremer, you know, glory days there at Virginia Tech. And and you could just kind of feel it that, you know, with Brent Pry, that there's a chance that that can happen again. We saw glimpses of that. You know, they go on the road. We talked about it a little bit earlier when they went last the week before last week and just went and thumped Boston college. So, you know, reaching a bowl would be a big deal, a really big deal um, for Brent pie and, and Virginia tech. So, you know, I think nationally because of the records, it's going to be a little bit under the radar, but I, I think that's going to be a a highly competitive game. A lot of emotions, um, especially with not playing it last year. And that, that's a definitely a rivalry game. I'm also looking forward to watching this weekend. Jeff, should I be concerned a little bit that, that, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to say this as, as clearly, because it's kind of complicated to say, 
Virginia Tech, and I think I think I think Virginia is actually in the same boat, right? Too. I mean, Virginia Tech and Virginia, and I would argue, I guess you can tell me this about Georgia Tech. I think it's probably the true too. I mean, we Virginia Tech and Virginia for sure, and probably Georgia Tech all have first time FBS coaches. But we're, we're in a situation at Virginia Tech where we also have a first time offensive coordinator and a first time uh, defensive coordinator. And I'm, of course, I'm talking about at the FBS level. And I have, I, I, it's my concern that you see more, can, you know, you see more consistency in year three because I, I think that at least at Virginia Tech, and I would, I would probably argue Virginia and Georgia Tech too, Jeff. That you know that the ads knew that there would be some incons that you know they wouldn't be consistent all the time, but I, I I certainly would like to see more consistency out of Virginia Tech next year. I think that probably comes when you have experience. I mean, Virginia Tech. If you look at next year's roster or roster, Jeff, there if there aren't any you know players that go to the transfer portal, if there are players that decide to come back. If they pick up some key, you know, key pieces in, you know, on, 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 you know, in the trenches, Virginia Tech could be pretty good next year. But my biggest concern is consistency at the, at the head, at the head, at the head coaching level, at the assistant, at the offensive coordinator level, at the defensive coordinator level, because there are games that I, that I saw. And you said it well, I guess you're kind of where you see flashes of good, but then you see flashes of like, where you where you felt like all the progress like dropped off a cliff the following week. Do I does it make sense what I'm saying, Jeff? Yeah, it it does, Matthew, very much. So, I mean, you know, when you look at some of the new coaches the last few years in the ACC, what Mike Elko did at Duke last year inheriting a team that many thought was the worst in the ACC and he wins nine games or what, what Jeff Brom did at Louisville this year, you know, getting them to the ACC championship game. I mean, th- those, those are the exception, you know, you, you shouldn't expect those kind of turnarounds very often, um, you know, from first year head coaches and, and even the second year, what you described is what is more likely to happen more often that if the if the coaches have the the program moving in the right direction, you you expect to see you know more competitive games, flashes of really good play, and and an institution and in, in being able to institute their style of play, and you should start to see it take hold. You should see gradual improvement, you know, kind of pointing to a year three when there should be significant improvement. I mean, if you get it earlier that's that's great but you're you're even for me i i usually look at uh, a year three is hey this is where you should have a, a goal of being two or three games better than what you than what you inherited and um so the next year i i think is really big for for tony elliott because um even if he beats for Virginia Tech. I mean, the best he's going to be is, is is going four and eight. So if I'm a, a Virginia fan, I'm looking year three get bowl eligible. Um, if Brent Pry doesn't reach a bowl this year, if he loses the Virginia game, I'm looking for 
next year as, hey, got to get bowl eligible. You know, that's the expectation. And Brent Key, you know, um, to his credit, he, he's probably a year ahead of schedule because I kind of looked at it like I wanted to see Georgia Tech be more competitive this year. Um, it would be great if they got to a bowl, but I was kind of looking to it's either this year or next year, reach a bowl game to kind of show where things um, are going under his direction. And, and he managed to reach it this year. So he, he's a little bit of ahead of schedule, but I think for Tony Elliott and, and Brent Pry, um, you know, next year is going to be that time. Or, or I take that back. You know, Brent Pry could reach a bowl game this year, and I think that would put him also in Virginia Tech a little bit ahead of schedule. Uh, well said, Jeff. Well, well said. I mean, so. Well, here we are, man. I mean, we're going to get to a point here. I want you to rank the college football teams for me today, Jeff. You, but you know what? To do this, you really. Ha- I don't know. You got to go take a look at my post, Jeff. You have to go take a look at my post. Read, go, go, go and read it. <laughs> you know what I want you to do, Jeff? I literally want you to read my post on air. I want you to do that as part of your rankings, Jeff. Will you, will you do that, Jeff? All right, we're going to read the whole article, or you're going to uh... read the whole article because you're going to you're enjoy you're going to enjoy the hell out of it, Jeff. All right, all right. Here for our podcast leisure, we're going to go through this real quick. All right, uh, written here by Matthew uh, ASD underscore Hokey Smash on X or Twitter. I'm going I'm going to keep calling it Twitter. <laughs> all right, here we go. Uh, Matthew Wright, we previously argued that Michigan should absolutely not be in the college football playoff rankings with its schedule. Uh, Dan Mullen finally came around to uh, our point of view. We also said Michigan didn't really get a test until it played Penn State. That's absolute fact. (laughs) And we mentioned that it was questionable uh, as hell whether Penn State actually has an offense. Hey, we knew Penn State. Uh, they're going to lose to Michigan, Ohio State every single year, it seems. I know James Franklin's got a couple wins in there, but if there's anything, uh, you know, any, any any game of consequence, he's he's going to usually lose that game. Uh, we know now that they do not have an offense. Yeah, absolutely. Right after that game, James Franklin fired his offensive coordinator. Uh, imagine you're the head coach at Penn State, the football Bowl Division School in Pennsylvania with the most resources, and you're having this much difficulty finding an offense. So we can truly say now that Michigan will have waited to week 13 to play an actual offense. Uh, to be fair, Michigan has a tough as nails defense. I do agree on that. The defense is, is pretty legitimate. But if you're Penn State and you're a decade into the James Franklin era, you shouldn't have to send out a search party to find an offense. But that's what it's come to at Penn State. Uh, Washington and Florida State have better resumes than Michigan. I do agree with that, uh, and it's not even close. I'd, and quite honestly, yeah, as Matthew said, it's not close, not close by any stretch of the imagination. By any stretch, Washington has played the toughest schedule in the country. Um, they have five ranked wins at the time when they played these teams, but you can also include Arizona and in that bunch too, and they just keep finding ways to win. Washington toughens up on defense when they need it the most. Uh, Florida State has basically wrecked the ACC, who, by the way, have a winning record uh, against the SEC and Big Ten combined. So anyone that says, hey, it's just the ACC, um, 
They have they have a winning record out of the two conferences combined. Uh, and they also crashed the will of LSU, who, if anyone hadn't noticed, Jana Daniels is gonna, looking like the runaway leader uh, to win the Heisman Trophy. And to be perfectly honest, Jordan Travis was the better quarterback in that game, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, that's that's kind of my, my personal take on that. Uh, we'll find out a lot more about Florida State when they play Florida in the ace and the in the ACC championship without Jordan Travis. That's true. We know about Michigan. They played no one all year and do not play a team with an offensive pulse until uh, week 13 when they go against Ohio State. Uh, and, you know, in my opinion, uh, I don't even think Ohio State has a great offense. Uh, Maryland, a little bit of a pulse because of the quarterback play, but that's an inconsistent offense uh, uh, as well. So basically, Michigan goes the entire season without playing an, an elite offense. But we know about Ohio State and their wide receivers. Uh, so we'll, we'll say they played a, an off, a couple offenses that at least you know aren't corpses. Uh, should they get into the college football playoffs if they defeat uh, Ohio State? Absolutely, but they better not lose in the Big Ten championship game. Agreed. This is likely no different than Washington and Florida State having to win out. Agree there too. But they absolutely should not be ahead of Georgia. Agree. Uh, Ohio State, you better not lose to Michigan. Washington, if Washington wins the Apple Cup, uh, I would absolutely uh, consider moving them into the two spot. Florida State, they're in a tough position having to win both versus our tribal and Louisville and without Jordan Travis now. Oregon, who shares many common opponents with Washington and will likely play the Huskies in the Pac-12 championship. Alabama, sorry, but Oregon has a better schedule. And then uh, slide then slide Michigan in at number seven. Um, uh, on, uh, and one thing that the pollsters have done a good job about is keeping Texas ahead of Alabama. Um, just a personal take here. And the college football playoff, if they have any sense, will continue to do that as well. Um, I don't care what Alabama does. The rest of the uh, season, including beating Georgia, if they have the same record as Texas, and are 12 and one, and there's one spot left to the college football playoff. Uh, I'm putting Texas in. I agree with you. I agree with you. I mean, if you're not going to care about head to head, then don't even then don't even play the games that I know. When I saw them play, Texas went into Tuscaloosa, double digit beat Alabama in a game that wasn't as close as that, and you know, exact same records. If you can't go to if you can't go to head to head. In every single tie-break scenario, in any other situation, head-to-head breaks the tie. I better go update um, that post. I'll, I'll update that. That was <laughs> that was a good point. That was a good point. I forgot about Texas. I better go make sure I go update that. Uh, update that. That means I can actually move Michigan to number eight. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. Okay. But, I mean, anyone and and who cares what the Vegas lines would be? Nick Saban had the dumbest article. Uh, you know, reasoning last year to try to get Alabama into the playoffs by talking about who would be favored one. Nobody cares uh, about that. I only care that when they played, Texas was better. And that's how I evaluate how teams, who's better than, you know, who's better when two teams play each other is how I compare teams and Texas beat Alabama. I don't care if it was week two. I've heard this argument now from some people on the playoff committee. And here was another stupid one. Um, when they said that LSU's win by Florida State was getting devalued 
because it was early in the season, it was is not have the meaning um, that it did at that time. While at the same time saying Alabama got a great win over LSU. I mean, what are we doing here? All right. So to finish Matthew's article, why number seven, Michigan should not be able to utilize a, <laughs> a self-looking ice cream cone to get to the college football players with a schedule of East Carolina, Maryland, Michigan state, Bowling Green, Rutgers, UNLV, Nebraska, Purdue, and Penn State. They have played no one with a legit offense all year. In the process, the Wolverines found the formula of trying to get to an undefeated status. Play no one all year, uh, but get it bumped during Thanksgiving with a game versus Ohio State. Well said. It's a perpetual self-licking ice cream cone, and this is the formula Michigan uses for success. They're not going to be able to do this next year. If you look at Michigan's schedule for next year, much more difficult. and they're probably not going to have Jim Harbaugh, if you ask my opinion. I think he'll be in the NFL next year. Michigan would rather you talk about sign stealing than the teams they play all year, and the college football playoff committee must not reward a team that utilizes the self uh, – I think you meant to say self-licking ice cream cone. Yes, yes. But Okay, I love it. Great. I love that article. <laughs> <laughs> the picture of the – the picture, and I actually was able to post the picture of the my ice cream cone. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of, which I, I kind of like, like, like shocked that I was able to picture that, uh, post that photo myself, Jeff. So I, I improved. I don't know what happened. Who, Jeff? I mean, I think we kind of, well, I think we could, we certainly agree on that. Now that we have Michigan at number eight, who are your last two? I mean, do we actually have Louisville in the top ten now? Yeah, I definitely have uh, Louisville in in the top ten. I mean, they've earned their their spot. They they really showed their their toughness against um, against Miami in that game, uh, winning that. Um, you know, and I, I'm okay uh, approximately in the position they're in, uh, but I would swap them uh, in the current college football playing rank uh, rankings. Uh, right now, they're behind Missouri. I would I would move Louisville ahead of Missouri. Uh, who do who does have two losses, and it, you know one of those losses was to to Georgia, which which certainly can be forgiven, no question about that. Um, but the other, and the other loss was was to LSU. So e- either that's a good loss or a bad loss. But you know they've they've lost to LSU, they lost to Georgia. Com- you know competitive in the in those games. Um, but also look at, you know, this weekend, uh, they, they came within a a missed field goal of losing to a Florida team that was without, was playing its backup quarterback. So, you know, if I'm putting those teams together, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm putting Louisville ahead of Missouri. Fair enough, Jeff. I think we did the right, I think fair enough, fair enough. I think we can't, we captured that well. I just updated it and I give you a shout out too. I forgot. I kind of completely forgot about Texas. I ripped that out. I was I was so excited about my wit and being able to <laughs> put the picture of that ice cream in, ice cream cone in that I forgot about Texas. And I've never I've never put an ice cream foot cone as a as a as a photo in a blog post and all sports discussion. It kind of made my day to put that in there. Uh, <laughs> uh, open microphone time, Jeff. What do you got for us? Yeah, I mean, we might almost even save this open mic for for after the college football rankings or or when we get closer to when these um, 
you know, announcements of the top four go. But, you know, I really hope that that the committee doesn't change the way they evaluate Florida State because of the Jordan Travis injury. We know that he is a great player and, you know, anyone that Florida State brings in to replace him is, is going to have gigantic shoes to fill on what he can do. But until Florida State loses a game and and they run the table, that's that's a playoff team. If they beat if they win at Florida and they beat Louisville, who's gonna be no worse than a top fifteen opponent, that's a that's a playoff team. And you know, you could get into a situation where Alabama beats Georgia and then what do you do? And I wouldn't want to be the committee trying to figure out what to do because we already talked about it earlier. If, if Texas wins out, even an SEC champion um, Alabama team shouldn't jump Texas. And I definitely don't think they should jump Florida State if they're undefeated. Um, the only thing you can go by is how teams play out of conference. And if Florida State beats Florida and there's one other ACC win in their rivalry game, you know, the ACC is going to have a winning record against the SEC. We said this earlier on the podcast. If you can't evaluate, if you can't evaluate and make comparisons based on head-to-head results, what are we doing here? So, I mean, this talk of Florida State being left out of the playoffs if they run the run the table is, is just, it's absolute insanity. Now, what I do think, you know, if, if we're being honest, is I think Florida State's ceiling is a bit limited it becomes more limited without jordan travis he he's such an incredible player that you know with him i gave them a puncher's chance to actually win the national title um, because he's that great of a player i don't think florida state can win two games if they get into the playoffs with without him um but that doesn't mean that if they're undefeated that they're that they're not a top four team and they, they absolutely 100,000% should be in the playoff at the run the table. Um, same with Washington. It's, it's very simple with, with, with Michigan and Ohio state playing the loser of that game is out. If Georgia wins, Ohio state, Michigan winner wins out, Washington wins out, Texas, Florida state wins out. That's your four playoff teams. Absolutely. And, I'm with you 100%. And, but you know what, Jeff, yep. If Washington wins out, they better be number one. They better be number one seed. You know, I, I'm, I'm definitely with you on the resume, Matthew. But I, 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 I think Georgia. Screw Georgia! No, I, I, no, 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 I mean, no, no. This is they've Washington has gone through and they've gone through and won on the road in Hustle hostile environments in the best conference this year and has racked up six ranked wins and they do it in different matter a different way they've done it in different ways kind of like louisville has jeff you know what i mean like i feel so dirty defending georgia here you should feel dirty about that (laughs) because because, hold on a second here's here i am talking about washington they they found a running game the last two weeks I haven't seen that this year. Do you know what I mean? They were yeah. able to find something. And they played they played D. They 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 seem to toughen up on D 
when they know something isn't happening. Now, I get it, Georgia. Georgia is always going to Georgia is always going to be, you know, your silver, your silver, silver knife in the drawer. I get it. I mean, people are going to talk about them, and they're going to think, oh yeah, yeah, you know, Georgia, Georgia's the, the name, and they got the players and all that stuff, and they got the coach, and oh, you know, he's doing. Do, he's do, doing what Nick Saban did, but but on steroids and that sort of thing. But you know what? Washington has the best resume, and they've had played the best teams in the best conference all year. And I don't know how you can't not give them the number one seed, Jeff. To go take the floor, take the floor, Jeff. I mean, if Washington did get the number one seed, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Um, I just I wouldn't have a problem if if you leave Georgia at number one um, if they if they're undefeated um, and they beat Alabama I mean they 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 they've been they just played so dominant the last few weeks I mean they're just steamrolling teams uh, right now I mean they in the they took, of the they SEC the, East oh my God yeah I mean that's that's also true too I mean. When 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 Missouri is your best win of of the entire season um, prior to the SEC championship game, I mean that that is true. But I, I wouldn't have a problem if Washington is put ahead of Georgia, and I, and I wouldn't have a problem uh, if if Georgia is ahead. Because here's the, here's the other argument. I, I think some of Washington's wins are are, are losing a little bit of value. To be tell honest, me, tell I think me, the window. Tell me why. Tell me why. Tell me why. I mean, I, I think you. I think Utah is a team that's not as good as teams as many expected, and and they're definitely kind of falling off. USC is 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 definitely a team that you know they they hung around in the top twenty five for a long time and probably didn't really belong there. I mean, it was kind of just a Caleb Williams thing, and I mean the win over Oregon. Now that's that's fact. That's a better win than anything Georgia would have, and and I would even throw that if um, if Washington beats or if Washington beats Oregon uh, twice, that's better than beating Alabama. I thought it was, I thought it was I, a good I, win over Oregon State last night, Jeff. I mean, it was a good win. I mean, it was in in Corvallis. That was a solid. That was a solid win. I mean, I would probably put you know that that win. Um, you know, a little probably in the same area, you know, of, of quality of as going into Knoxville and blowing out Tennessee is, is where I would put that. I mean, I do agree that if, if if Washington were to beat Oregon twice, you know, that would be more impressive than anything Georgia has done, because I think Oregon would beat Alabama on a neutral field, to be perfectly well, so honest. Here's, here's my thing, because the SEC always gets the benefit of the doubt on these scheduled matchups and all that and, and that and that kind of thing. And everybody's saying, oh, it's the depth of the SEC, the depth of the SEC. No, there is no depth in the SEC East. None. There hasn't been in decades. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, you know, you've got, you know, if people are going to say that, they got to be consistent about uh, and, and treat teams fairly in that regard, you know what I mean, sort of thing. And this is why I've been hype. I've been hyping, and I've realized the last three weeks I've been sounding like a Washington fan on this podcast. But you know, they they have they they've met the mark, you know, for that, and they, and they deserve to get that some of that same some of that same sort of credit that people have been overhyping SEC teams with for the last several years. 
you know, for, yeah. for, for, I mean, that, 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 that is a good point, you know, about the SEC East. Um, you know, just an example this past weekend, New Mexico State went into Auburn, Jordan Hare Stadium. And they, they ran they ran Auburn Derrick out of their own Hill stadium. Derrick Hill is awesome too. That's the one year that Virginia Tech had a good offense when Justin Fuente was there. When Jerry Kill was there, uh, as a he might be the national coach of the and year. McCauley I mean, they all assistant at, at, at Virginia Tech, and then he got into a fight with the offensive coordinator. <laughs> I mean, I definitely can see your I can see your point. You know, when you look at the SEC West. You're you you're giving Georgia, you know, all this the, the credit over. They're giving credit to Georgia for these wins over teams like Florida, Utah beat them, you know, Auburn, New Mexico State, you know, they absolutely manhandled Auburn. So I mean, I would, you know, maybe I'm blinded by their recent success, but I mean, I definitely have no problem for to have Washington ahead of Georgia, um, if they run the table. It won't happen, but I'd have no problem with it. I mean, you know, it's going to be hard to beat Oregon twice. You know, that's the thing for Washington. You know, can you beat Oregon twice? I don't know if they can. I don't know if they can or not. That's it's a substantial amount of pressure. Yeah. And, you know, you've got to, I mean, certainly I put Michael Penix in as, as the Heisman Trophy winner right now. Would you say that's the case, Jeff? I would. I definitely. Michael Penix would have my vote. Um, you know, they, they keep. I, I know. You know, Jaden Daniels is putting up video game numbers. Um, but Michael Penix is winning games. LSU has lost three times, and you know, when they played, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, when they played Florida State, he wasn't even the best quarterback in that game. And Jaden Daniels is a phenomenal player. Don't get me wrong. And he puts up video game stats. Um, but that doesn't mean he should be the Heisman Trophy winner. Amen. They Amen. Should... <laughs> so quickly, quickly, Jeff, who's going to win the ACC championship game? Yeah, I mean, when when when, when Jordan Chavis was, was quarterback of Florida State, um, I mean, Florida State would have been a prohibitive favorite in that game. I think the loss of of Jordan Travis is is probably worth seven to ten points, and in, in, in how you uh, look at Florida State, and and like I said before, this does not mean you know that I move Florida State up or down, you know, in in the rankings. Because we have to wait for the results to happen. It's pure speculation that it would be worth that much. But I feel like going into that game where where Florida State would probably have been, you know, a nine or ten point favorite, that reduces probably to one or two and becomes much more of a of a toss up game than previously, you know, we had. And Louisville is, you know, they've played some extremely good football at times. We know what they did to to Notre Dame manhandling, you know, the Irish in the second half of that game. And, you know, they, they've got weapons on offense uh, with thrash plumbers played very well at times. And, you know, 
I would still favor Florida State going into the game because of how much depth Florida State has at the skill position with their wide receivers and Benson at running back. But but that becomes much, much more of a wide open game that Louisville is capable of winning. You know, I'm, I'm going to say that right now today that Florida State wins that game. Um, but you would not be shocked. But, but you it, would not it, be shocked like me if Louisville won. No, I, I, I mean, if Louisville had beaten Jordan Travis, quarterback Florida State, you know, I, I would, I would be pretty, pretty surprised by that. I would not be surprised if they knock off Florida State, uh, you know, this this time around without Jordan Travis. That's going into the game, but now, I mean, hey, if Florida State knocks off Louisville, you know, who'll be in the top ten, and and I'm expecting top ten or top fifteen at least, and top ten going into the game. You know, then, like I said, that's a playoff team. Then this is absolutely a playoff team. If they if they if they go undefeated in the ACC and they win the ACC championship game, Florida State should be a playoff team and a minimum four four seed, uh, a minimum four seed. Maybe even maybe you know, eh, would I say a three? Probably not a three, but at least a four a four seed probably. That would be interesting too. I mean, if my proposed scenario came through and they were a four seed and they were playing Washington as a one seed, Jeff, I might even favor Florida State to win that game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that could be that could be interesting, Jeff. That's it, man. We had a fun time tonight. We haven't had a chance. We had a <laughs> we haven't had a chance to talk sports like this for a while and we went and we went on and on and it was fun we had a chance to ramble tonight and we don't get to do that very often yeah it's going good stuff all right man well have a great week jeff and uh you know we're we're next i want to make just say very quickly we're going to get brett from pick six previews is supposed to be with us next week i need to reach out to him to follow up to confirm and then our then we have Terry Johnson after that from the old college football news days, then Matt Semick. So I mean the year's coming to a close quickly. Got three podcasts left. We're off Thanksgiving week, but we got three podcast three podcasts left in, in 2024 and, and some good content coming forward. So Jeff, have a great week. All right. And happy Thanksgiving. Happy holidays to everyone out there. You too, sir. Everyone out there, have a great week. <laughs>